<laughs> it reminds me of old, uh, my old, uh, one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes where George wanted to be a Civil War buff. And, you know, what, what does it take to be a buff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. Okay, welcome to episode seven of the P4B podcast. Uh, We have a guest, as you can see, he'll be joining us in just a second. Uh, We're at seven out of 10 episodes on P4B over at the Revolt. We're we're six for 10. And there's a reason I mentioned that is uh, when I first started getting interested in podcasting and and putting this program together, I listened to a guy named Chris, Chris Hutchins. Super successful investment banker, um, has had several careers. He's bought and sold, created and sold businesses. And he's gone full-time podcasting. And he analyzed the market. And he said, if you do 10 podcasts in 10 weeks, one podcast a week for 10 weeks, and you've been published in the last 10 days, you're in the top 4% of podcast producers in the world. And I'm doing that. Twice. When I first heard it, I thought, hey, I could do that. That's easy. I had no idea how tough it is to crank out a podcast a week, plus do newsletter and cross posts, engage. Um, it keeps you really busy. So I think when I hit 10 weeks, I'm going to combine the two sites. I'll pull the revolt in under P4B. I'll keep the revolt content free. And that way, there's good communication going on. The P4B will be mostly paid content. The newsletters will probably be free also. With that, I'd like to welcome Mr. Ron Corey. We've known each other since my older brother Tom was in kindergarten. Wow. 60, 60 years almost. Just yeah, shy of say, like 59 years. 59, yep. And uh, we've our lives have bounced off of each other now and then intersected now and then we have uh, a lot of interests that are similar uh, including in the in the pre-show here we were just talking Ron is interested in a lot of history here in Virginia if you are a history buff you have to come to Virginia <laughs> because <laughs> you you won't be able to get enough history while you're here it's it's just it's just amazing you got the wilderness you got Spotsylvania you've got Chancellorsville, Fredericksburg, uh, Manassas, or Bull Run, depending on what side of the the Civil War your relative is fought on. It reminds me of old, uh, my old, uh, one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes where George wanted to be a Civil War buff, and you know what, what does it take to be a buff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Ron, welcome aboard. Uh, well. First of all, thanks for inviting me. This is uh, this is quite uh, it's my first uh, I think my first venture into an actual podcast. Uh, have a little bit of background. In fact, Matt, I don't even know if you know that I'm a I've been a movie extra over the last few years. Yes, uh, you can see me probably see me, although it's really quick right across uh, <laughs> with uh, with uh, Gail Godot in Wonder Woman 84 and uh, with uh, Bo Bridges in uh, in a, an episode of Homeland. So I kind of do that on the really? side. But so 
Now, this is my first venture into actual podcasting, though, so I'm happy to, uh, that you invited me. And, and Matt, you're right. We go back, you know, as you said, back to, what, 1963 or so. Um, yeah. I know Matt's, Matt's brother, Tom, quite well. I remember Tom as uh, being a um, kind of an... Uh, from grade school, kind of an introspective kind of a guy, but funny at the same time. So that's that's kind of what I remember about Tom from uh, from as you said, kindergarten through uh, through grade school. Uh, uh, we we went to a St. Louis school in Yaden together, and uh, I think we kind of went our separate ways after that. I went to uh, went to St. Joe's Prep. I don't know if Tom went to uh, Monsignor Bonner. Or, uh, he went to Bonner. Yeah, Bonner, he, yeah, we we weren't beautiful people. We didn't go to St. Joe's. <laughs> And ha- had I not gotten a scholarship, I wouldn't have gone either, believe me, because my, my <laughs> folks couldn't. Uh, I don't think anybody in Yaden could afford St. Joe's Prep at the time. So you had to make a little, had to get a little uh, little uh, money together. Well, to a scholarship to says something. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was it was great. And I can thank uh, uh, the Gino, actually, <laughs> member, uh, Matt, God bless you, the, the Gino Corporation, who had uh, scholarships for kids that were, you know, I'll say, I don't want to say lower, lower income, but lower to middle income. And mm-hmm. of course had to have the grades also. So uh, I thank uh, Gino Marchetti and the, the good folks at Gino's for getting me into, uh, into St. Joe's prep at the time. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Gino Marchetti, old Gino's. Gino Marchetti, which uh, segue into our current Eagles team. <laughs> I am so, you know, as excited as I was in 2017, be- because obviously they hadn't been there before this uh, uh, met, to me, may very well be the best football, best Eagles football team I've ever seen. It's amazing. It is, it is stacked. I mean, not only the starters, but the uh, you know the, the folks coming in on the second the second string. And uh, I've also also talked to a number of folks about the, being the best, possibly best Eagles team of all time. But is it the best Philadelphia team of all time? I'll tell you. I'll, we'll talk about that after next Sunday. Yeah, they have to win the they have to win the, the Super Bowl first. Should that happen, I think you could probably stack it up there as the best any Philadelphia team of all time. And the reason being, they have everything right now. And you have to, you know, things have to break the right way also with, uh, for example, Jalen Hurts still on his rookie contract. In order to do that, you can you can pay, you can stack the rest of the deck, so to speak. That right. may not happen a year down the road. In fact, if, if Hurts wins, his, uh, wins the Super Bowl, they're going to have to pay him, I don't know. 45 million a year and, and <laughs> you and uh, the, the issue with um, the issue with the NFL is uh, there's a salary cap which actually I kind of like in a way because it everybody is is playing from the same uh, kind of same playing field versus uh, versus the uh, MLB that uh, if you know if you if you want to pay the money if you're in New York or LA or, or maybe even Philly spend a lot of money these days uh, you know you can do that but what the problem there is the teams that are in the smaller markets have no shot. So uh, that, right. that's a big that, that's a big disparity between football and baseball. But anyway, back to the uh, back to the best team. Uh, you know, I've talked to my uh, my friends, my brothers, and all about these best teams. The only ones that that I can think of are the um, uh, that might even come close. And other other sports would be the '82 Sixers, if you recall them, with uh, Julius Irving and Moses Malone. Great team there. Can't argue with that. Then you had your kind of your scrappy Phillies teams back in 1980 and 2008, and even last year's team. Yeah, uh, yeah. which uh, great team, but certainly doesn't, in my estimation, estimation match up 
to the greatest of all time. The 82 Sixers might come pretty close. I, I used to say so, that the Phillies were the hardest working team last yeah, year. Scrappy. Yeah. You remember the, yeah. the teams with Pete Rose and, and but the, they, you know, they, those last three games, they mailed it in, man. They were yeah. asleep. It was, yeah. it was tough to watch. Yeah. After absolutely. that big buildup. Yeah. Know? Well, and, and Last the, the, they lost to the better team. I mean, there's just no, there's no question. Yeah, about it. they, yeah. you know, they had the pitching, they had the, the, uh, the bullpen. This year, I think, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit after, after the Eagles. But uh, they, they are coming, coming pretty close. Now, going back to these greatest teams, the greatest team that I recall, only because I was a part of it, actually was at the, uh, the, the Stanley Cup final game was the 72, uh, 74 Flyers. Yeah. Uh, and if you remember, uh, Matt, that was the same team that uh, a year or two later beat the heck out of the Russians. And uh, Ed Van Imp hit, uh, hit the Russian over the head with a stick and, uh, and <laughs> the, the bench is emptied and the Russians left and everything. Like, so talk about scrappy. That probably was the scrappiest of the scrappy would be that Flyers team. That well, the Russians six. thought they were tough until they met Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as scrappy as they were, they weren't as overall a superstar team. I mean, they had Bobby Clark, they had Bernie Perrant, but they just worked hard. Yeah. They just worked yeah. hard. This, going back to this Eagles team, they are stacked. I mean, I, I have, I'm, that, which makes me so excited. Like I said, I, as, as much as I love that 17 team, that was a little bit, a little bit of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Uh, you know, they went from uh, Wentz to, uh, um, to um, uh, Nick Foles. And yeah. just, yeah. And just caught. And of course you had the, uh, Tom Brady drop pass and the fumble and all that stuff. So hey, as great as it, they were, they caught lightning in the bottle. This team that we're looking at this year may be the greatest Philadelphia team of all time. And I'm not going to say for sure until after, uh, after Sunday. And uh, I expect, I mean, I will be super disappointed if they lose because I still, I do think this year they have the better team. 17, they didn't have the better team. They, they got some breaks. Yeah. And, and, uh, There's a and chemistry. Won. There's a chemistry at work in this team too. And I, Absolutely. I, I owe that, I think, to Hertz and Kelsey. Yep. They they have uh, a rapport between each other. You can see it on the sidelines, especially pregame. Yep. It's like those two are the last two to talk to each other before they get on the field. Absolutely. And, and uh, even even uh, Sirianni, who, you know, there was a big question mark when he first came on board. But, you know, the young guy, what's he going to do? They seem to love him, too. So, I mean, it's, yeah. all, it's all just working – it's all working together and they have the uh, this year they had the record for the most sacks in uh, NFL history. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's amazing. It's just amazing the way they, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously don't forget about uh, Howie Rosen because he put, he put all this together and uh, you know, a few years ago they were ready to ready to hang the guy. And uh, he just came back, came back big time. If, if you remember uh, they put kind of put, uh, put him in the corner there for a year or so. And, and, wow. uh, he, uh, he he apparently went over, went across the country, went over the world, you know, uh, um, investigating other sports teams and uh, and uh, learning and reading and all that stuff. And man, he has done a fantastic job, unbelievable job. In fact, now that being said, they win the Super Bowl, and as I said, if Hertz gets his big bucks, he he has more of a challenge now to keep uh, at least uh, you know the the core of the team together. And it's almost impossible with the. Uh, you know, with the cap. Yeah, so. and Philly's not famous for building winning dynasties. Right. Usually when they get a winning team, they they blast it all out for profit, which, hey, that's 
it's their team. They can do anything they want, you know. And if but, you remember, if you remember going back to the Phillies, they hung on to those guys like Utley a couple of years, uh, Utley, Utley and Ryan Howard, a year or two too long, and they just completely fell apart. So you got to know when to hold up and when to fold up. And I think right. I think can do that, especially he has uh, he has two first round draft picks this year. So I mean they're they're gonna pick a a need, whether it be corner, not quarterback, they don't need a quarterback, cornerback. Uh, safety or uh, or uh, even a, possibly a running back to uh, because they're going to probably lose Miles Sanders, which is a shame. But again, you can't pay everybody; you just can't. Right. So, and and again, like you said, it's a small market. We're not yeah. we're not L.A. We're not New York. And right. you know, if if you if you build a blue chip team and then one of your guys says, "Pay me way more than the team is worth," right. You got to let him go. You got to cut him loose. And my fear, and it is a little bit of fear, is that Hurts, uh, uh, should he win the Super Bowl, is probably going to ask for Deshaun Watson money, which uh, is, uh, I don't know, 200 million plus guaranteed and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, that's the problem there is you can't pay everybody. So you can right. pay your quarterback, but that's right. that's going to hurt. Uh, that's going to hurt um, uh, Watson's team. Uh, you can't pay everybody. So you pay one person. Two hundred million. That's uh, that. Two hundred million less yeah. for the rest. Of the now team. you're paying your your running back minimum wage. You know yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, there's only so much so much you can do there. So uh, so anyway, that uh, you know talk there is there possibly the best team of all time. So uh, uh, you know again, I, I I rank the this year's uh, this year's Eagles team possibly the Sixers of '82 going back to the, the Flyers of '74 and um, uh, you know. That 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 winning the Stanley Cup, and I'm going, I'm showing my age a little bit now. I was at the final Stanley Cup game at the Spectrum in '74, and along with um, that, plus I'm trying to think of a couple things of that are just unbelievable. Un, you know, I will never forget. That's one of them, and uh, maybe Live Aid might be number two in that on that list too. So uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, some of the things did I you go, was, did you go to Live Aid? I did. Yeah, I mean that you know, things that I've seen. Incredible. Uh, the Flyers winning the cup and Live Aid uh, um, are, are my two, probably my two greatest. Now, I, as much as I would love to go to the uh, the Super Bowl next Sunday, I, you know, seven thousand dollars a ticket is what it's going for right oh. now. And the and what's, uh, the, what's the price written on them? Like one hundred twenty-five bucks? No, it's actually a thousand dollars. A thousand really? Was a thousand face value, and I wouldn't mind paying a thousand, fifteen hundred, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Couple grand, but not seven, ten grand, which is what they're going for. So yeah, I, uh, I, do, I do have a problem with um, ticket service agents for that reason. Well, that whole issue with Ticketmaster. And, yeah, uh, you buy up incredibly, incredible chunks. What I compare it to, we used to we used to have a timeshare. Yep, and it was awesome. It was really cool. We were all over the world on that thing. Right, and then we started one year. We were trying to find a cool place to go. And we couldn't get anything. We couldn't get anything anywhere. You know, we could go to a little crappy timeshare in Orlando or something. Right. And I found out that Hyatt and and Marriott bought massive blocks of timeshares. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So instead of competing, you know, person to person, you're you're now competing with a major corporation to try to get two weeks vacation. In the wow. summertime, you know, wow. so we we ended up dumping it. Um, 
I didn't but, realize that. I mean, maybe that's why every, everybody seems to be trying to dump those share timeshares now. Maybe that's part of the reason. I don't know. I didn't know. It, well, it is. Well, the other thing is the blank check effect. Um, yeah. They do make promises. Oh, you'll it'll only go up a little bit per year, you know, for your maintenance and your fees. But that's not the case. It right. jumps, you know, and it gets higher and higher. Yeah. And this timeshare cancellation is just the back end of the scam. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, because what's going to happen is you're going to give up that uh, week's obligation and you're going to pay the timeshare cancellation guy. I don't know. I'm sure it ranges for whatever they can get out of you. A couple mm-hmm. thousand dollars. Wow. He's simply going to turn around and hand it back to the guy who sold it to you to begin with. Yeah. Who, who now has something he could put on Groupon in the off season or you know, let Marriott buy another block or whatever, and he's going to continue to make money from it. Right. Or or they'll turn around and sell it to the next person that's doing the, whatever they call timeshare now, fractionalized rent. It's, it's very similar to the whole Ticketmaster mess where, you know, the bots are buying up the tickets and right. Uh, right. selling them on the, on the market. And I can remember, in fact, I just had this conversation with someone uh, uh, back in this, uh, I guess, early 70s, uh, Springsteen tickets or whatever used to used to sit out, uh, sleep outside of a Wanamaker's, right? And wait till the ticket agency opened up, and then if you were lucky enough in line, you got you got the good seats. That's the way it used to be. Now, right. either you are lucky, you know, and you win some kind of a lottery, or you pay quadruple the price for the ticket. Right within within seconds of the tickets going on sale. Yep. You know, and it, it should be, you know. Uh, me versus you in line at the at the mm-hmm. ticket office that that to me is legit right uh the the allowing people to buy huge blocks for resale to me is just scalping scalping's always been an illegal activity yeah well you know? basically they're doing it i guess i guess you can call it legal scalping but that's exactly right. what they're doing exactly what yeah. they're doing yeah and that's a shame uh, and kind of sucks a little of the joy out of it you know it does. And now the Phillies, uh, going back to World Series, I tried to get World Series tickets with the Phillies. They they actually had a lottery. You know, hey, if you're lucky enough to win it, you know, you win it. So I mean, yeah. that's maybe not too bad. It's a little different than the kind of the Ticketmaster thing with the bots. At least, you know, you're, I guess, on an even playing field in a lottery situation with the Phillies. And if you're in a lottery, you're paying retail price of the ticket. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Perfectly yeah, I fair. I, I think that's legit. The folks yeah. that have, uh, and and rightly so. I mean, I used to have, uh, uh, I couldn't get there, you know, being in Virginia too often, but I used to have a partial ticket plan with the Phillies. And uh, the folks that have the full tickets or the partial ticket plan get the first dibs on the World Series. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's, they paid their dues all year long. So that, I, I have no problem with that. So there are better ways to do it. And Ticketmaster is not the way. I wish they would, I've actually, as much as I like government, you know, to get off the backs of everything, I wish they would kind of push that Ticketmaster thing. I know they're, they're talking about it a little bit right now. Well, for sure, the uh, the leagues would have to get involved. Yep. That would be the most appropriate thing for the leagues to say, we have fans and you're not a fan. You're a bot. You know, right. you're a, you know, you're the a middleman that we didn't hire. Yep. yep. So if our fans want tickets, our fans can buy tickets. And if you want to give a, a small markup, a service fee, knock yourself out. Right. Buy the tickets and then sell them. Right. Um, it, it'll be more appropriate, I think, for the leagues to do that. Yeah, and as we said, the, the Super Bowl tickets, uh, you know, even though $1,000 is high, 
You can't find one for under, under seven grand if you wanted to go. I mean, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and that's obviously that's not counting your, you know, your airfare to get out there and your hotel and whatever else. You're talking twenty, probably twenty grand by the time you're done everything if you're going to take a couple people, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yep. Yeah, I, I probably will never see a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, right now, my my whole income for my podcast. Is seventy two dollars a year? There you go. I'm I'm flying, baby. <laughs> I, I should I should go out and buy a car or something, you know, and show them that as my income. That's funny. So, but, but yeah, uh, that that was. I mean, everything we just talked about, especially when you're talking about the uh, um, the comparing the teams. That's that's the big reason I asked you to be on this week. Yep, is because. Well, you and Mike Luongo have a have a, almost a, a encyclopedic memory of everything that's happened in Philly all these years. Well, you know, this goes back to uh, you know as a kid, uh, Matt. I used to get the uh, the Philadelphia Bolton, if you remember, Bolton or the, right. or the yeah. And every day when the Phillies played, I used to cut out the box score, and I posted the box scores up on my wall. So I had 162 games on my wall at, the, at year end. Watching the uh, how each player would would go from you know from uh, week to week or day to day or whatever, so that kind right, of got right. me started. So I mean, I've been a I've been a, a sports fan a sports fan ever since. And uh, you know, we talked about the Eagles. I'm excited also about this year's Phillies team. Uh, we have uh, uh, just just hired uh, just uh, uh, got uh, uh, Trey Turner, the shortstop, who is probably the premier shortstop in baseball. Right. We have uh, Real Muto, who's probably the best catcher in baseball. They've improved their uh, uh, pitching staff. They've improved the bullpen. In fact, the pitcher, uh, who probably, I'm guessing, will maybe be the fifth or maybe sixth uh, starter this year, is a guy by the name of Andrew Painter, who uh, Major League Baseball, all the all of your books and uh, everything says he is the best rookie pitcher in baseball. Wow. So we're, I mean, we're, we're stacked. Now we talked about it. The problem with baseball is as stacked as we are, New York is spending double our money. Right. The Braves are spending at least our money, if not more than that. So you're not competing. You're not really on an even playing field because New York can spend New New York and LA obviously can spend millions, billions if they want to. Um, So, you know, you have your haves and your haves and your have nots. The Phillies are have right now only because they've spent they've decided to spend some money, but they're yeah. still far from New York and L.A. as far as money spent. So, you know, uh, in like I said, in football, everybody is somewhat on the even playing field because you have a cap. You can't right. go over the cap in baseball. Technically, you have a cap, but if you have money, you can blow the cap away. And that's right. what some of these teams are doing. The Phillies have done it a little bit. They've gone a little bit over the cap. So they have a. Uh, what they call the luxury tax. They're a little bit over the luxury tax. The Mets and, and the Dodgers have blown that luxury tax away. They're spending as much on the tax as they are the salary. So that's that's the, the problem with uh, with baseball. I think the Phillies have, again, we're talking best teams. The, the Eagles might be the best team I've ever seen. The Phillies may be the best Phillies team coming up and not good. But that being said, they're probably not the best team. Yeah, I mean, the Astros, and, the Astros and you, are better last year. And it seems to me baseball, when all is said and done, ends up being less predictable than any other sport. 
Yes, absolutely. Look how the, uh, the Phillies barely snuck into it and wound up almost winning it off. Yeah, it's a game of failure. Yep. It's you know you you try to you try to attrite your own failure versus the other guy's failure. Well, and if you're you know if you're a two fifty hitter, you're a decent hitter. Yeah. You're, you're you're striking out or popping up three out of four times. Right. So you know you're, that's that's what you're dealing with in baseball. Uh, you know if you're good, if you're one out of four. Yeah, Babe Ruth, the the years he hit his record runs, he also hit record strikeouts. Same yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we we have, we do have a few minutes left, and yeah, um, the one last question I had about the Super Bowl is, what do you think of Mahomes? Is going to be healthy? I think <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be tough on the guy here. I think he's milking it a little bit. Could be. I think he's milking. I, I don't, I'm not denying he's hurt. But I think if you notice, if you watch the, the last Chiefs game, he looked pretty darn good when he was playing, and then we kind of limp off the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, that being said, I, I don't want to knock the guy too much. Maybe maybe the adrenaline kicks in when you're playing and it's starting to hurt when you're walking off the field. Right. That being said, I think he'll be fine. I mean, he may not be 100%, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't 90%. So we actually have to put a contract out on his ankle. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> Legally – and I don't. I, I I hate to see anybody dirty. They should go after the ankle. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to tackle a guy, give him a little extra twist in that yep. ankle, or, you know, or push him in that direction, minimum. That's where, the way where he has to lean on it. That's yeah. the way it works. Because if you can yeah. knock, if you can get either knock him out or get him off his game, the Eagles win by two touchdowns. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind. Now that being said, you know, any given Sunday, anybody can win. I think the Eagles are clearly a touchdown better than touchdown team, better than the Chiefs. That's just based on, if you look at area to area, you know, quarterback, I'll call that almost even. I'll, I'll say that the quarterback's almost even. If you look at the running backs, the uh, the defense, uh, the, the the Eagles offensive, de def offensive and defensive line, which is why I say they may be the best team, that offensive line is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, Person for person, you know, the Eagles are clearly a better team. Let's just hope that they're on their game on uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, during the season when I would watch, because I couldn't always see the Eagles down here. We don't get it in our market all the time. But I would try to track the teams we were going to play in the next couple of weeks and watch them ahead of time. I can I can give you some free, free ways to get in there, but we'll talk about that off camera. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, get, to get your Eagles every week. Yeah, you yeah, you you can you can coach me offline. Well, a little <laughs> sidebar. Yeah. But uh there were times where I would see these other teams play and compare to the Eagles and go, "Oh boy, you know, we're going to have a tough time with them because they're so tight and disciplined." Yep. I didn't I didn't get a whole lot of that last week. So I feel pretty good about the matchup. The Eagles scare they scare me if you recall that couple those couple weeks where um um Hertz was out uh, and they, they were having some issues. I, I was a little worried that they had peaked too early and were, you know, going in the other direction. But they clearly, over the last few weeks, have turned that around completely. So I'm yeah. uncomfortable that uh, we're back to, if not the best team we saw, uh, you know, the best uh, group we saw all year. If they're not there now, they're pretty darn close. And plus, they're relatively healthy. I mean, uh, they have some, they're banged up a little bit with Lane Johnson being hurt. Uh, he's... he's to talk about a warrior, man. That guy, he's he's 
he needs surgery and he's out there playing every week, which is incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, overall, they're pretty healthy, which is positive too. And and from what I understand, the Chiefs, other than the homes, have a couple folks. Uh, one of the wide receivers is out. So they have some injury issues too, which yeah. Can't, yeah. certainly can't hurt. Oh, there you go. Well, we're about down to five minutes here. Um, one of the things I did want to, oh, two things I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Um, is the the music thing you do every couple of weeks the, the fifty years ago? Yep. Where do you get that, or 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 did you actually save all those things for fifty well, years? <laughs> funny you mention. I I had some of them, but I have a good buddy who actually uh, originally lived in uh, Prospect Park, who uh, saved like like I did the uh, the sports uh, stuff. Saved those every week. Uh, he he miss he's missing a week or two here and there. But overall, we share uh, we share that uh, that WFIL list. Uh-huh. We post it up on Facebook, and they get some really really cool comments. And I know, I mean, I you know we can we can go for another hour on on music. But uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s music, I'm kind of a connoisseur of that era too. Uh, I think after the 80s, I think we we kind of lost a little. Gets bit. a little lame, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, once the electronic stuff started and disco. Uh, you know, your, your singer songwriters didn't, they didn't need to sing or songwrite anymore because they could just do a lot of that electronically. Yeah, so we lost yeah. a little bit after the, uh, after the eighties. But uh, uh, that being said, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've won many, many trivia contests going back to <laughs> 60s, 70s and eighties music. Once, once after the eighties, I can't, re- I can't recall, but I can't recall what I did yesterday, but I know what we used to do in the eighties. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. You know, I don't know what I had for breakfast, but right. you know, Right. Uh, but the uh, did you catch the uh, Ronstadt thing I did? Uh, I did not. I, I did not. I, in fact, I saw I don't know if you, you probably saw the documentary on her uh, a couple of years ago that was out. Fabulous. Yeah. I saw the same one. As a matter of fact, yeah. uh, I do cite that a lot in the mm-hmm. in the piece. But um, I'll put a link to it and below the audio and below the video in the comment section and on YouTube. But. uh the other one night I was laying in bed and I got blue by you stuck in my head. And it might've yeah. even been on the list that week. That might've been how it snuck in there. Right. But, uh, I just couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it for the life of me. She was, she, yeah, she's missed. I, I know she's obviously had uh, many health issues recently and can't, uh, really can't sing anymore, which is very sad. Yeah. Well, actually she died, uh, a short time back. Uh, are, are you, she did? Yeah. No, I think, I'd have to look that up. I think I thought she was still. I mean, I wasn't aware of that. If if it did happen, I think I'll, I'll double check. I'll double check. But I know she's uh, not. I know she's not well. But I, I didn't hear. The no, she had Parkinson's. Yeah, and yeah. and it, it got really serious. Um, her decline was really serious. Okay, but I had the song stuck in there. Yep. And I'm trying to think of a thousand different things to get it out because I was like tossing and turning all night, you know. And then I realized that's that's what. I should be doing. I should be writing about this. Fabulous. You know? yeah. So I did a little, you know, a, a lead in the day's news and stuff like that. And then I dedicated like a half hour of video and comments and Substack. You'd, you'd link directly to YouTube. So right. it's all there in one package. Oh, cool. cool. And uh, her career what was might, amazing. What, what might interest you. Uh, I just watched a three part documentary. I don't know if you have Paramount plus, but, uh, there's a three-part documentary called "Sometimes When We Touch," which is the old, uh, if you remember, the old Dan Hill song. 
Uh, it's a three-part documentary just on the music of the, I guess it starts in the 70s, well, a little bit of the 60s maybe, 60s, 70s, and 80s music. And it's really well done. So I invite you to check that out if you get the chance. Yeah, I will check that out. That sounds like a good idea. Okay, so we're back with Ron. I don't know if I've worked out my issues with Zoom. Uh, but I got to tell you, Ron, you missed your calling, man. You should have been a, a sportscaster or something. You, well, you're a natural at this. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Great time. And it's funny you mention that because I always say that, uh, you know, as, as I think I mentioned in part one there, I got a little bit of movie, uh, movie buff in my background and uh, did some uh, – I still do some extra. In fact – <laughs> a little while ago, they called me for they called me to do to be an extra in the um, uh, uh, Walking Dead, but I didn't want to be typecast. Mm. <laughs> that, that is a true story. They actually did call me. I, I was unavailable at the time, but uh, so I did that Wonder Woman eighty four, and I did uh, as I mentioned, I did Homeland. So uh, and uh, one more, and I'll have my uh, my uh, uh, sack card. So <laughs> yeah, I did I did extra work in. Well, whenever they made that miniseries Washington with Barry Boswick, Patty oh, yeah. Gaston, yeah, I took a month's leave, and it was the coolest experience I've ever had, without a doubt. It is just you know I get I get the biggest kick out of just watching out what's watching what's going on around me. In fact, I was uh, lucky enough uh, when I did Homeland. I, I don't know if you're a Homeland fan or ever watched it, but uh, Claire Danes had a scene, and she was a um, kind of a uh, schizophrenic i guess you would say and in, in working for the cia but anyway yeah. uh she had a scene where they had electrodes obviously they were fake but attached to her head and she they were giving her allegedly you know shock therapy right and i watched her literally for two hours i would say filming about a five minute scene and it was i mean talk about brutal i mean she yeah real acting, physical act like she was getting shock treatment almost for two hours and I was able to look at that and, um, and uh, you know, that kind of thing just, it is so incredible to watch. You don't realize when you're watching a, a movie or a TV show, the amount of time that goes into a, a five minute scene. It's yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm, I'm the best example of that. I was in 50 scenes in that yep. movie. It's a, I think a five or six part miniseries. I watched every minute of it. You know, everybody was watching with me. And I think it's like part three, I was able to go, there, there, there I am. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. You know, everything similar. else, it was it was too very, far away. I'd be part of a large group. Very similar but, to me in, uh, in Wonder Woman and Homeland. You know, I saw myself, but it was, you know, you know a whole day's it's, work. It's a flash. <laughs> yeah. But I spent one night, uh, we were night filming in Ridley Park. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Kulik, Buzz Kulik, the director, he he had, he's one of these improvised guys. You know, you have the whole thing set up. You're going through the things. He goes, oh, wait, 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 do this, do this. <laughs> so, you know, a one-hour standby becomes a seven-hour standby. Oh, yeah. You know, so I sat in a barn with Patty Duke Aston, just me and her. Oh, that is cool. For like five hours one night. 
Wow. We talked about everything. That's you know? It was so much fun. Yeah. You know, I talked to her about her early career, about John Aston. You know, it was amazing. We had so uh, much fun. Yeah, that was cool. That was really and, cool. So, yeah, you know, I mean, that, you know, I, I always had uh, had fun with doing those kinds of things. And, and this is uh, this is almost natural to just to sit down that and talk to you. I appreciate it. And it goes back, uh, you know, I, I guess we may be segueing in, back into our Yaden days. So <laughs> goes back to and, and uh, I remember Tom also uh, when we were at St. Louis, I was in about fifth grade, maybe fifth grade, I guess it was. And we did uh, we did a play, The Music Man. I don't know if you recall that. Tom I was, was I it. was going to mention that, but go ahead. Oh, Tom was in it, and of course, Mrs. Pinto, uh, uh, Babs Pinto, was the uh, director. And uh, if you if you look up Babs Pinto or Barbara Pinto, she had quite a career in uh, in stage and, mm -hmm. and TV, and uh, she was in um, quite a few and, TV shows, quite a few yeah. uh, Broadway shows. Uh, but anyway, she started her probably started her career with us in fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth grade putting on uh, the music man. And to yeah. this day, Matt, to this day, when I talk to people from Yaden, they said, I remember you from the music man. And we're talking, what, 1960, what was it? Maybe 67, yeah. 68. You, you were in the quartet with Tom, right? You were part of the quartet. No, Tom was in the quartet. I was Winthrop. Oh, that's right, the, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the person with the, uh, the lisp, the yeah. lisp, so to speak. And uh, Gary, Indiana, if you remember the, uh, the yep. song. Yeah. So that got really, I mean, you know, you go back to those days and that kind of got me started with, you know, uh, I mean, I, I never did it as a career, but, uh, you know, the interest in music and sports and, and film and all that stuff. It's it's amazing how your first uh, your grade school years really can uh, can um, segue into your future in many ways. Yeah. I, and I. It, well, that's true. And. I didn't appreciate back then being a dumb kid. Everything our parents actually did. Unbelievable. In terms of involvement, I mean, they they got us, they were able to get us together and make the music man. That and this, alone is a feat. And you know, you know we used to we used to practice, uh, you know, I, I know Tom, that uh that quartet was not an easy thing for a fifth of whatever, a fifth no. or sixth grader. That was harmony. Yeah, they, that was and yeah. they they nailed it. Let me tell you. Yeah. They nailed it. And Tom was part of that. And I'm sure he I'll never forget that. I mean, it, it's just uh, I still have, you know, every, every once in a while I'll come across some old pictures and post them on uh, on Facebook of that of uh, those days. And uh, yeah, you know, Yaden was a, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people that, that that grow up say their place was the best. I'm telling you, my brothers, myself. You couldn't have grown up in a better neighborhood, better community yeah. in Yaden. And it was yeah. the people, everybody watched out for themselves, uh, uh, playing outside until, you know, nine o'clock at night, not having to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, and that was, you know, in some respects growing up in the 60s. But we had that community that I don't think can ever be topped. And again, I'm sure others feel other communities feel the same way, but. Uh, the 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 amount of friends and family and things that uh, that I listen I still play cards with not with Tom unfortunately we you know I, I don't see him too much but buddies that I went to school in uh, in kindergarten with right how, how many people can say that I don't know right. if you well that's different. yeah I'm I'm very jealous of that my career uh, path took me away and for, to some to, for decades some respects, some respects yeah. it did me too. Of course, I'm I've been in Virginia for 20 years, but I still get together. Uh, uh, Matt, you may know some of these folks: Bob Berg, Steve Smith. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and Massatelli's, and uh, we still get together. I mean, and now our kids 
are friends with their kids. Right. And, right. and, you know, it's just. And it's and been that way for generations. I mean, my it, dad, my dad was on stage in West Catholic with Babs. Mm -hmm. Pinto. Yeah, how about that? And then all our kids from the music man through high school acted together. Yep. Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to try to get Ann on here. Oh, uh, that'd be. Uh, she's just talk about the old shows. Talk about what she's doing. I want to have her. Uh, I want to have her send me some video files to to plug in from the crazy COVID stuff she was doing. I I, I saw her. I guess unfortunately, I think the last time I saw her was at uh, Barbara's uh, uh, Barbara's right. um, wake. Unfortunately, oh. but uh, she's a trip. Uh, she'd be a great uh, great person to talk to. She's a character, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I mean, and um. That cohesion, I guess, the West Philly Yaden thing, uh, it it it's something I really miss. I mean, my boys are in their forties now. Yeah, my and, son's in thirty. Yeah, and they're still they're still hanging around with their kindergarten buddies and their their grade yeah. school buddies, the ones that survived Upper Darby yeah. <laughs> and, and well, didn't end up in prison. I mean, and there's great. You know, you can talk about the folks that grew up and and lived in you know Yaden. Hey. So, I don't know if it was St. Louis or Yaden or whatever, but some very accomplished people uh, uh, grew up in our our neighborhood and, and uh, in yep. Yaden, and in uh, you can go to you know Upper Darby with uh, uh, Todd Rundgren and uh, yeah, uh, who else in Upper Darby? Uh, the the Croce, uh, Jim Croce, Jim Croce, uh, the the uh, woman from and her name escapes me right now from Saturday Night Live uh, that grew up in that uh, that area. Yeah. Yeah, um, I can't think of her name right now. She did anyway. a she did a uh, course on TV how to speak Philly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think to yeah. Atlantic City and get a hoagie and have water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I mean, you know, very very accomplished people in that uh, that neck of the woods and that uh, and that timing. Uh, you know, uh, you can there's there's quite a quite a group uh, quite a group yeah. in that that area. So, oh, am yeah. I not recording? Oh, <laughs> I am. I am. We're still on. We're still on. But, uh, oh, you're, you're, you're definitely just put a on. bullet in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to the uh, growing up in Yaden again, uh, great, great place. And uh, talking about '60s kids, I have a, I, I had come up with a list which I found somewhere along the lines about the things that grown up in the '60s and how basically how are we still alive. That's what it comes down to. But oh yeah, uh, uh, let me let me just go over them some of them quick. Uh, pregnant women drinking and smoking. That was that was you just did that in the 60s. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no car seats, no car belts. Or if they were, they were very crummy. Just that that one little piece that used to go across. Yeah. As a matter um, of fact, not all cars. When I first started riding cars, seat belts weren't standard yet. Some yeah, had them, yeah. some didn't. You know, yeah. ours uh, ended up in the yeah. on the floor with the crumbs on them and the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking was encouraged in, in the 60s. I mean, it was, hey, that was the cool thing, you know, yeah. smoke away, you know, uh, they had the uh, the baby cribs that couldn't keep a you know couldn't keep any baby safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, trampolines with no nets. Remember those? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no no such thing as childproofing your house. I mean, yeah, no uh, bicycle but, helmets, no elbow nah, pads. No, no bicycle. That was another one. No bicycles helmets. Of course, walking to school alone, whether it be St. Louis or whatever, you just you just did that. You walked That's child around. abuse now. Yeah, oh, that's right. Here's here's um, one for you. Here's one for you. Do you? I asked you this before. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Tom showing up in like first grade in a cowboy outfit? I you no, know, I don't remember. I'm sure he hates this story. 
He's going to throw a rock at me for telling his story. But he got a cowboy outfit for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And he was not he was going to wear that to school. My mother was going, I don't know, Tom. He's going, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. So he wears complete cowboy up, the vest and the hat. Hey, hey, he was ahead of his time. He was identifying as a cowboy. I'm telling you. <laughs> but what I was thinking today when we were getting ready to do this was, could you imagine today if a kid showed up with a cowboy outfit with two plastic revolvers in a holster? Yeah, the guns wouldn't work. That's for sure. He'd be on his way to juvie. They'd be having crisis counselors talking to the other students, you know, <laughs> that have to take, you know, all this counseling and, and you know, oh, apologies to getting on the news, you know. Oh. Yeah, but again, you know, you know, at that point, you didn't think twice. Of course, uh, uh, nuns smacked us around, if you were oh, dead, yeah. just got just smacked across the face. And uh, we actually, you know, most of us were pretty good, but I can remember, I can remember the nuns nailing some of the girls. I mean smacking them big time yeah well, um, i had i had one nun i won't mention names but it's the reason i hate nuns but she spent september to almost christmas knocking the crap out of me and fred altieri that would have been sister st arthur would it no no but sister st arthur was my first <laughs> introduction to real violence <laughs> i got a math problem wrong we were little pictures. You had to match a clown to the hats and a bird right. to the trees. And if if you came up where one wasn't matched, that meant there was one too many. We were starting to learn quantities in first grade. Right. So I bring my paper up. It's torn in the corner already that she's pissed off, you know. <laughs> and she goes, where's this clown's hat? And I went, there's one too many. That was the first time somebody came across the side of my face that made my ear ring. Oh, we got wow. many, yeah, many a snack, many a golden roar. I remember uh, there was a, if you remember, Sister Michael Francis, who Hell yeah. used to say, you're going to feel me, boy. But she had a finger that kind of went in a different direction. Yeah. So you never yeah. knew who, never knew who she was. People used to make fun of her. I'm talking to you. <laughs> and uh, oh, actually, man. a couple of years ago, um, uh, I actually uh, ran into a sister, Regina Bernarda, who was in our, I don't know if you remember, but in yeah. our, our great, she's at, uh, what do you call it, the Immaculata uh, home right now, but uh, she must be in her, I gather she's in her 80s right now, but we had a little little discussion a few years back, which was pretty cool. Yeah, sister so, Regina, um, yeah, I remember her. She's still, she's still kicking, yep, yep. Yeah. But, I uh, imagine Sister St. Arthur's probably still kicking, she's probably about 400 years old now. She's probably still terrorizing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but back to those 60s. Things, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they had they used to have um, um, uh, nobody wore sunscreen. You used to put baby oil on your body. You remember that? Yeah. That was, yeah. That was stupid. It was downright stupid. Baby oil and iodine. You might as well just ignited yourself. Uh, Mercurochrome, which was very deadly at the time. You know, we yeah. know that now. We didn't know yeah. it then. Yeah. Cause kidney problems, cancers, and everything. You used to put it on your on your uh, every cut, every I'm cut, looking. iodine or mercurochrome. So I don't know how we're I don't know how still we're still living. The big thing was, if you remember, uh, Matt in uh, in Yaden, the, the guy that used to spray the DDT that came through the neighborhood. We would run through the smoke. We would we run would through the them. smoke, bite yeah. through the smoke, and it's like it was that was like uh, you know it was like Agent Orange, I guess. I don't know what the heck it was, but I guess some of us are still living, so I guess that's not a bad thing. Do you so, remember the uh, the new monkey bars they put up 
at Bell Avenue Field that it went up like a diamond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't <laughs> let a construction worker get on that without a safety line now. And, and we would be know, hanging from it. Now <laughs> they have these nice, now they have these nice soft landings, pads, yeah. and things like there was none of that then. I mean, they, no. they might have had a little, I don't know, some wood or something. That one had this thick had. rubber, which would thick have rubber. felt like falling on concrete anyway. Right, right. exactly. But, so. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was it was a different universe, but I think we benefited from it. Uh, there's no, there's no question. You know, I have that conversation all the time. Kids are. You know, they've been so sheltered. And of course, you know, COVID's a whole, we could talk about that for, for years, but uh, it's just, it's just not the same. We used to play outside from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning in the summer to, you know, we used to uh, walk or, or, or bike to the Aiden Swim Club and come back home 10 o'clock at night. Right, so right. That's what you did. Now, I mean, you can't, you can't leave. And unfortunately, I guess in many cases, you can't leave your kid out for a half hour or he or she might get stolen. I mean, Somebody's calling the police. Yeah, you it's, know? it's nuts. Actually, yeah. I heard an interesting. I heard an interesting um, statistic. Per capita, there's fewer kidnappings and uh, things like that happen today than when we were growing up. You didn't hear about it when we were growing gotcha. up because it was only three channels and local newspapers. Right. Very rarely would a single crime that happened in St. Paul, Minnesota, make it into yeah. the news. Yeah, the media has a lot to do with that in the, you know, uh, you know, Facebook yeah. and, and, and you know, as good as technology is, I think in, in many ways it's it's killing us. So, it is. Uh, it is. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why parents have become helicopter parents is they've been this has been drummed into their heads how horrible yeah, it's, and it's dangerous a, life is. It's a fear when, fact. Yeah, yeah. So the kids are denied an opportunity to be stupid on their own. Yep. Stupid's supposed to hurt. So yep. you don't do it again, you yep. know? And well, I know I was plenty stupid. We used to try to figure out ways to blow stuff up. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Me, Rob Carr, uh, four acre, uh, uh, Zut. What was his real name? I forget, but we would go down behind on the tracks behind the, uh, the athletic field and, make bombs out of like 500 firecrackers where you pour the, <laughs> the, 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 uh, black powder into yep. like molds and plaster. Yep. And we set ourselves on fire. <laughs> oh, it was, it was crazy. I, probably the, one of the times in Yaden I got in the biggest trouble was I had one of those M80s. Remember those? The, right. And lit it and threw it, and it it wound up under a person's. Uh, it was actually by an apartment and blew up right under a window of an apartment. Two minutes later, man, those cops were out, and yep. I had to, I had to, you know, uh, talk myself out of that one. Oh, you so, couldn't get away with nothing. Yeah, when me and Marty one time went up to Church Lane. We had a box full of water balloons. Two little kids dra uh -huh. dragging this box right, and we put it at Darnell and Church Lane. We put it. Uh, on the steps of this house. And as the bus would stop, we'd throw it at the bus. Oh, right? yeah. So we're hitting cars. We're doing all kinds of stuff. We're thinking, oh, we're great. We're going to, we're getting away with murder here. So a bus comes. And as the door opens, we're like, we're going to nail everybody in there. The door opens. We throw the water balloons. It's Mrs. Turk <laughs> from kindergarten. My kindergarten teacher. Yep. Yep. I think the mothers in Yaden communicated telepathically 
because we like smashed all our water balloons. We ran down Darnell to Duncan Avenue, and my mother was on the steps. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, our lives and, just descended into hell. Yeah, but you know what? It was a community, I, and I remember. Uh, and I, actually, I wasn't part of it, but my my friends drinking under the the bridge there in Yaden. Uh-huh. And the next thing you know, the police came out uh, with with actually guns, you know, guns uh, holding up guns to the kids because they didn't know they didn't know what they were doing at the time. Right. One of the kids happened to know the 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 son of one of the police officers, and they said, "All right, you know, just get it, just go." <laughs> you know, yeah. So you, you knew the community. You knew where. Sometimes you overstepped your bounds, but even if you did, somebody was watching out for you. Yeah, and that was that was the great part about that particular community. Yeah, it changed a lot. Um, yeah. When I came back from my first tour, hadn't been to Yaden in like two and a half, three years. It was a totally different environment. Oh yeah, nobody knew anybody. Right. You know, and all what, our neighbors had moved. Year, when, when was that, Matt? About what time? Uh, that was seventy nine, eighty, eighty one. Oh yeah, back. Well, you know what happened. We had the, uh, for the most part, the exodus in the early to mid seventies of folks leaving Yaden and going to yeah. uh, out, out further. You know, like for example, my family eventually moved out to uh, to Springfield, Delaware yeah. County. Uh, so you had kind of that exodus in the mid, I'd say the mid to late seventies, and uh, very very few people there. In fact, uh, um, about six months ago, I was back to Yaden. I don't know uh, if you were invited, but they had a kind of an open house for uh, for St. Louis. Uh, and it was actually pretty cool. I was glad to see that the the church is still. I'm telling you, I don't know the last time you were there, but exactly the way I remember it. Yeah, it hasn't changed one iota, which is fabulous because it's such a beautiful church. And the school, of course, is no longer the school. But I was happy to see that it was purchased by. I think it was the archdiocese. It's going to now be a, um, a seminary. A seminary. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, we had a we had a real nice time there. Uh, bunch of a uh, bunch of uh, people that I knew from St. Louis they had a they had an open house and they had a, um, a beer beer out on the uh, in the parking lot uh, and uh, yeah so I saw some of the pictures Dennis Dennis posted yeah. the pictures yeah Dennis Dennis Murray yeah. in fact uh, I think he actually put I think he put it together at least helped put it together and it was really a nice time they're, they're hoping to make something like that an annual event to be really neat mm-hmm. okay now I know a lot of people don't know this, but Ron Corey is a wine magnate. He well, and now he'll be he'll be humble about it. He'll be humble, <laughs> but at Barrel Oak, when he used to walk into Barrel Oak, uh, everyone was required to bow down to touch their forehead to the floor and sprinkle rose petals in front of him. <laughs> you know, he would do the papal wave, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I I thought Barrel Oak was awesome. How did you get well, involved in that? Yeah, it was it was great. What ha- what happened, Matt, was uh, about well, I'm going back about twelve years, twelve years or so ago now. Uh, I used to take my uh, my wife and my son, who was about ten, uh, you know, ten or so at the time. I guess it was. I'm going back there. Yeah, well, a little older than that, maybe. Anyway, um, we used to go there and kind of just enjoy a, a nice few hours out. Uh, and, and it kind of edges on the mountains of, uh, of Virginia, the, right? The, yeah, the Blue Ridge. So beautiful. Beautiful country, and it's actually only about about thirty minutes from where I am. It's a little bit out uh, west of me, out uh, out Route eighty one. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually, as I mentioned before, closer to Manassas. This is a little bit west of us. It's a really pretty area. 
you know, on the way toward the mountains out there. But anyway, I got to know the uh, the main owner there about 12 years ago and uh, kind of a bucket item list. He said, hey, Ron, he said, you want to get involved with with the winery? And uh, I said, yeah, why not? You know, so I was was involved with Barrel Oak um, for about 10 years. And I, I really enjoyed the mission. We had uh, we had animal welfare, uh, uh, um, animal welfare groups there. We had veterans groups there. Uh, and it was very, um, you know, it, it was just a great time. I got to know some, got to know a little bit about the wine business, uh, met some nice uh, friends and family. Unfortunately, uh, the pandemic killed us. Uh, we had two, uh, two horrendous years with the pandemic. And the main owner, uh, I was one of about, um, I guess one of about 10 owners or so, but the main owner, the majority, uh, uh, was originally from California. His father is uh, ill out in California. And decided to get out of the wine business and sell the sell the winery. So uh, we, you know, I got out about six six months ago. But uh, but it was a great time. I had ten years there. Met, as I said, great people, and 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 really got to know a little bit about the wine uh, the wine business uh, along the way. So maybe someday I'll get back into it again. But I'm taking a taking a little respite at the time. Actually, yeah. just yesterday was at a at another winery out here in Northern Virginia. Uh, Virginia, if you're not familiar, has about, we have about 300 wineries in Virginia. Yeah. Most of them are either in the in what kind of the Northern Virginia pocket where I'm located, or of course down in Charlottesville by, uh, by UVA when uh, Jefferson grew one of the first, uh, first vineyards. First wineries, yeah. Virginia. Yeah. So down, not too far from you. And if, I, I guess even your area has a, a couple in, uh, locally. If I yeah, there's, there's one relatively new, uh, just two miles from the place. The right. wine's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Barrel Oak. Now, did somebody buy that? Are they going to try to make a go of it? Somebody, somebody bought it. Yeah, uh, yeah. somebody did buy it. They're going to try to turn it. Uh, no, I say turn it around. I hope they keep the the mission with the uh, as I mentioned the animal yeah. groups. Uh, the mission and the and the atmosphere was really great. Yeah. Uh, so yes, they're they're attempting to uh, to uh, work on it, and I'm you know we're st- I, I still will certainly go out there, just not as a not as a paid. Uh, paid members, so to speak. But, uh, uh, you know, it, the great thing is I have, you know, I have cases of wine behind me that uh, I helped uh, help grow. And uh, so you open a bottle. In fact, yesterday I opened a bottle that was from, um, it was 2015, you know, 2015, about eight years ago. So I can almost remember what I was doing at the time that I opened my uh, eight-year-old bottle of wines. And it's, it's still, it's still great too. So, uh, so it, it, you know, it was a great, uh, great time and, um, you know, in, enjoyed it during the time, time there. And unfortunately, I think, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with the, um, the main owner wanting to get out of the business and get back to California. Yeah, it's a bloody some, shame, man. Some personal issues too, because yeah. we literally were clear other than selling, you know, uh, uh, remotely, so to speak, uh, the winery was closed, pretty much closed for a year and a half, two years. And that's your bread and butter. I mean, if you don't have people going into your yeah, winery, people are, you, you need foot traffic at a winery. Yeah, exactly. And so. here's why. And this is what I liked about Barrel Oak. And I've been to a lot of wineries, but there's only two or three that, you go there and you taste wine and it's something you've never experienced before. Yep. It's a, a completely unique flavor yep. uh, or quality. And Barrel Oak had two of those. That I, as a matter of fact, I still have a bottle of white. Uh, is it uh, Bauhaus White? Bauhaus White? Or Bauhaus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that uh, Bauhaus White and Bauhaus Red are, of course, the, the quote, uh, house, uh, house wines. And if, if Barrel Oak is B O W, which is bow, and yeah. it, 
kind of gets you to that uh, uh, pet uh, pet friendly or dog friendly thing. Right. And uh, yeah, Bear House Red and White are probably were the the biggest sellers. We had probably had wines that were a level above that, but people seem to to like that um, you know that uh, just the you know the the house kind of uh, taste yeah. that. Uh, in fact, I think uh, I would venture to say that your Bailhouse White was probably the best seller. And I'm not a I'm not really a white wine drinker. I'm more of a red, but I love the Bailhouse White. Yeah, and it's it's got a quality that's not like uh, well, it's not like anything you, you'll you'll get anywhere else. Uh, it, well, it it has a character, right. not so and much the flavor, but the character of it. And that's what I learned a little bit about wine during my ten years or so. Every every state, I mean, I can almost I can pick a wine out from Pennsylvania from New Jersey, from New York, from Virginia, from California. And I can almost tell you what state it's from because each state has its own uh, terrain. Uh, and I learned a lot about, for example, at, at Barrel Oak, we grew our, uh, our, our Merlot grapes on one side, our Cab grapes on another side because of the terrain. It's really science. The terrain, the soil, the, the way the sun hits your grapes and, uh, you know, the red, the white, and you, you learn so much about it. But as I said, like uh, New Jersey, for example, there's a wine in New Jersey that I absolutely love. It's it's very, very fruity, very uh, and there aren't too many good New Jersey wines. But yeah. that being said, if you if you get one, you can find a good wine from from many in many states. And uh, but and they all have a little bit of a different taste. Virginia is, as I said, about 300 wineries now and growing as one of the real real uh states to uh to uh be significant in the yeah, wine. wine has really grown in virginia yep. yeah mm -hmm. um anyway i just got the flag again so obviously i did not correct the problem with zoom <laughs> so we're about nine and a half minutes out and i did want to ping my favorite subject this is the political party pooper after all oh boy um, we could we could talk for hours just on this subject, but we'll, we'll, we'll oh yeah, a few minutes. How about balloons? You want to talk about balloons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, they were right on that one, weren't they? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Matt. Somebody dropped the ball or dropped the balloon. I don't know what you want to how you want to say it, but that sucker should have been shut down shut down before it hit Alaska. Or yeah, or, yeah they the said they Alaska. They maybe this was a truth poopy, and they didn't mean to say it, but. They said a couple of days ago, yeah, we saw it almost as soon as it was airborne. We've been tracking it. Well, from why? the center of China, they're watching right. it. Right. It gets all the way to Alaska. It goes over our air bases in Alaska. It comes down into Montana, goes over our, uh, uh, our uh, nuclear missile sites it hit every one of the it hit every one of the sites that it had to and they're of course saying that it was just a weather balloon that lost course right nuts it's right. Not, absolutely nuts I, uh, I worry about what it might be in terms of a probe oh I practice think, I run think a dry run I think, it's a, I think it's a practice run and I think um, very easily if they don't if they don't catch that next one that comes over quickly they can very easily take out our whole grid and, and we'll be without energy for a year. Sure. And what, a, what about just a, a small EMP? Mm -hmm. You know, it, you don't even have to, it's, it won't even be a dangerous device, really, in reality. Right. But the cone under that is gone. Anything yeah. under it for many, many miles right. is dead. Yeah. You know, that's if, that, if that's what they're probing. 
And I, you know, I thought originally when they weren't shooting the thing down, I thought they were worried that there, there, there might be a nuke on board. Luckily, thank God there wasn't. Yeah. Who's like, to say the next one's not going to have one? Exactly. Exactly correct. If they've done it once, and they, 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 they're probing different areas. That's a pattern of behavior that we can't permit. And they were, they all fell in line so fast with the talking points. Oh, if you shoot it down, there'll be a debris field. So you know what? So what? Kill some cows in Montana. Who cares? It doesn't, but it doesn't work that way. When you shoot a balloon, the balloon and the payload drop like a streamer. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to spread debris over what they were saying, 420 by 20, 400 square miles. No. That was just, that was just to justify right. their, either their inactivity or their indecision. Right. Absolutely. And I do give them credit for when they did finally shoot the sucker down. They, they hit it in a good spot. It was within the 12, within the 12 miles uh, uh, of our national waters. Plus, and I think they, I, they, I think they did, did a great job when it came up. It dropped in 47 feet of water. They're going to be able to pick that up. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. So, I mean, if there was anything good, they did that well. That was going to be my next question. Do you think they'll yeah. be able to get it? 47 oh, yeah. feet. That's child's oh, play. Right. 40, 47 yeah. feet is easy. That's easy. And and I think they did, I, Matt, I think they did that on purpose. I think they shot it over Surfside Beach, right over the beach, so they knew they could get it. So, I, if anything good happened, that happened. Yeah, yeah. And if it's any, if that thing is just strictly telemetry, you know, if it's not intel collection, a telemetry telling the home base, here I am, here I am, here. I am. If that's the case, that's more dangerous to me, in my opinion, than a camera. There's no doubt. In fact, I posted it on one of my uh, one of my Facebook sites there. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were picking up electromagnetic fields from our military bases. Now, whether it was scrambled or not, I, that you know, that's beyond right. me. I don't know. But they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's Um, it's overall a test. And this goes back, Matt, to Afghanistan when they screwed that whole thing up. They're they're just testing and testing. How far can we do? How far can we go until until it may be too far? It's scary. It really is. And it's it's across the board. I mean, we're talking about military application here. But the thing that's that I've been I've been pretty much focused on, especially on the revolt side. I don't know if you've read anything on the uh, the energy revolt. yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ESG, the WEF, the green scams, uh, the no gas stoves, the smart meters. That's all one thing. Yep. And it's not to clean up the environment and it's not to help you save money on your electric bill. It's to utterly dominate every aspect of your life. Yep. We've lost touch with Jeffersonian thinking. Mm hmm. You know, the, the government that governs least governs best. These people are the 180 degree opposite of that. They, they, they for, for every single problem, there's somebody in the government that says, I can do that for you or I can fix that for you. All you have to do or it's just that you do this, just this, you know. But the dangers are are uh they're incalculable yep um the converting wanting to convert everything to electric that's not to save energy that's not going to save energy in fact the transmission lines are low too 
So it's going to be a wash at best. Yep. What they want to do, if Ron Corey says something that's a little out of line, they want to be able to turn your house off with a keystroke because you have a smart meter. Yep. You know, uh, they we had somebody come by a few years ago and say, you know, if you get a smart meter, it's voluntary. You can save some money. And I thought about it and I thought, no, that's just a bot in my house. So, no, I don't want a smart meter. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then they came a few years later and say, it's still voluntary. But if you don't put it in, we're going to charge you between 25 and 40 more per month that it's not in. And I couldn't afford that. So right. now I have a smart meter. Mm. But we had a gas stove delivered today. <laughs> Uh-oh. Better watch out. The gas, stove, gas stove people are going to come after you now. That's it. Got a propane bottle. I figure <laughs> I figure if if uh, uh, Barack Obama can put a 17,000-gallon propane tank in Martha's Vineyard, I can have 100 gallons outside my house. I think that's okay. I'm telling you, it's all smoke and mirrors with the whole EV thing. In fact, there, there's a, it is. a house a couple blocks away that just uh, did their whole roof in solar panels, right? So I look at that and I said, that's pretty cool. So before it actually went up, I, I, they had their solar panels literally piled up in their driveway, all made in China. Every oh, one yeah. of the solar panels made in China. Now, who's that profiting? It's profiting China. So who's profiting? Not Correct. us. He's right. gonna he's gonna have to live in that house for thirty years before he gets any any payback out of it. We're we're paying back China right now. Yeah, China makes our transformers. They're talking about uh, another thing. I was going to bring up. We won't have too much time to go into it. Uh, maybe we'll have to do another segment. This, this one's this one's worth it. But It'd be fabulous. It's uh, Davos predicting a cyber attack in twenty four months. Who yep. benefits from that? Mm -hmm. You know, who are the only people that don't care about borders on that level? Right. The elites. They, they think yep. they're above borderism. And by the way, they fly in and out of Davos with their uh, private jets. Uh, 1,400 of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, man, I do want to do this again. And and maybe we can start out with the things that piss us off and then finish with the cutesy crap, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, we're down to a minute. So. It's been awesome. This has been a lot of fun. You are an awesome guest. Uh, anybody who sees you on this, they may contact you. That'd be fabulous. Say, I, and I really, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the whole, however long it is, hour, I don't know how long we've talked already, but it just brings me back to my uh, Yaden days and, uh, and kind of that, uh, you know, from soup to nuts, you know, where you yeah, start yeah. and now we're unfortunately maybe a little bit where we're ending. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask Ann to come on, and maybe after that, I'll I'll bring you back, and we'll we'll talk about some other stuff. Yeah, tell Ann I said hi, and uh, she she had a great family too, as you did, yeah. man, and, and and Tom and and all your folks too. I wish everybody the best. Uh, yeah, uh, all the best to you guys and your family. All right, thanks, Ron. Take care. Thank all you. right, all right, bye now. Thank you for joining us. Please use all the buttons below the audio bar. And don't forget about the gift and the book we'll be featuring as a thank you for supporting the Political Party Pooper Playbook.